Am I in Though focus? the streets are swollen. Am I in focus over there? Is, is this? Well, I, how can I? You keep moving. <laughs> we're not the same men we were four years ago. It's not the years, honey. It's the mileage. I mean, I think everyone's changed in the last four years. But we yeah. have braved the countdown waters as we counted down the Star Wars films on the eve of Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. And now, braving new waters on the verge of a new Indiana Jones movie. We're counting down the four indie films leading up to number five, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Paul Preston of the Movie Guys here with you, alongside me... <laughs> That's me flying. <laughs> I came in too early. Do to... it again. Do it again. Do it again. <laughs> well, we had rehearsal. Right. I know. We had seen rehearsal, and then it didn't even matter. All right. Here we go. Uh, one more time. Alongside me. Sean Blodgett of Creative Motion Entertainment. I always feel like I have to say it with some sort of like, Sean Blodgett with Creative Motion Entertainment. Very serious almost. I don't know. Like a private eye. Sean Blodgett. Like a... <laughs> I'm, I'm Kurt, here to, I'm here Enterprise. to... <laughs> Some, something no like that. Yeah, exactly. I'm so glad to be here, man. Thanks for having me. We are in the mighty Admirals Club in Burbank, California. And as of this taping, we are 86 days away. Is that correct? Uh, wait a second. Listen. Yes, I got it here in Morse code. We are 86 days away. And I was excited to find that out because when we did Countdown to Nine, we started in February because we had more movies to cover before uh, the rise of Skywalker in December. So we were talking hundreds of of days under 100 days 86 days away from the release of the dial of destiny june 30th now we did a preview show of what this podcast is about if you haven't heard that don't worry you can still listen to this show but go back and listen to it if you'd like i mean you should definitely go back and listen to it it's it's lots of fun and it, and it yeah. sets everything up yeah but this is the first show about one of the movies and we're starting at the, the greatest beginning. the greatest of the movies the greatest movie ever made yeah oh we gotta unpack that okay unpack it there's nothing to unpack <laughs> that's it I have you know spoken. what i just brought a little bag here that's that's the whole thing i've packed clearly we're talking about <laughs> raiders of the lost ark but sean speaking of the dial of destiny do we have any updates on that film? oh yes of course <laughs> never mind all right uh so updates uh new super bowl commercial that that dropped uh i think that gave us a few more images a few more moments Stuff like that, maybe some stuff we'd already seen, obviously. But uh, I mean, everything I'm seeing with it, I'm I'm really liking what I'm seeing. I think they've done a great job. I'm, you know, I mean, trailers and and advertisements nowadays kind of have the same sort of rhythm, right? Like, especially with these like these throwback movies that they're like trying to reboot. You know, it's always like, okay, we're gonna have like a piano sound, and it's gonna lead into this like nostalgic kind of moment, and then we're gonna have some action, and but it's gonna be like like there's 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 weightiness going on. I don't know. I think the Super Bowl trailer it was over a month ago now, but I still think it's the latest footage we've received mm -hmm. was the full on indie. Raiders March. Yeah. And we hadn't had that yet. We had that bah, 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 that little slower version of yeah, it. But this yeah, was yeah. full on and, da, 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 and just action on the train yes, and action yeah, on the, yeah, yeah. and confirming he's a Nazi, you know, they're just left over from the war and he's I mean, this is gonna be great. Going yeah. back I know that I hope I, I jive easily with the uh the de aging, mm -hmm. but Indy going back to World War Two and kicking more 
Nazis ass, that's great. I'm in. Well, actually, it's interesting you bring up the de-aging because one of the other things that dropped is uh, this. I don't know if you can see this there. Uh, this article, Harrison Ford, The Hollywood Reporter. I'm going to hold it up here, too. This article, Harrison Ford, The Hollywood Reporter, um, dropped. And actually, he talks about the de-aging. Uh, he, was, he was not thrilled about the idea early on, and then he saw how they were going to do it. And I think that that got him excited about it. So I think, you know, with the fact that he was on board with it, you know, that's going to make things flow a little bit better in general. So it's like most visual effects. If there's a great story and I know he has been like tough to pull back into these unless they had a great story. So that's if the story is great, you're not going to notice. At, you're not going to care. If that's what you're focusing on, then the story sucks. Right. That I mean, 100 percent. 100%. And in general, this Hollywood Reporter article, um, we'll, we'll unpack a little bit more later, but uh, it's a fantastic article. If you get a chance, go and find it and read it or get a copy of this one. It's it's a great article. It's a great, you get a great sense of him as an actor. I mean, I think they're covering a lot of stuff because of his, you know, it's his first time he's doing television with this uh, prequel oh, to- First uh, lead, yes. Yeah, so he's he was very excited about that. But of course, he does talk about Dial of Destiny in there. And, you know, just all kinds of things. But as an actor, it was just really cool to hear him chat about stuff. And I've, I've marked a couple of things. So we'll unpack that a little bit more. Uh, also- this is huge news, really, uh, and you were talking about why this is huge news, but I'm going to set it up and then you chat. The Dial of Destiny will have its world premiere at the Cannes Film Festival on May 18th. First of all, I'm excited about May because that brings us back to Lucas and Star Wars. I mean, that's when all these things used to happen, right? It's like right before summer, we're going to get something exciting. It's going to be totally cool, and you're going to get to have it all summer long. Go to the theater like 10 times and enjoy it. Yeah, they pushed this one to 4th of July weekend. It's still a huge, it's still going to own that weekend, and no one's going near opening at that time. But opening this film over a month before it, it's open to the public is a big sign of confidence that I am happy to see. I mean, this press is going to get out, word's going to get out, word is going to spread, and they're expecting, they have to be expecting word to be good. I think Crystal Skull opened like two days, you know, to press and had its premiere like two or three days before it opened. To the uh, to the public, I don't know if that says anything about that film, but I love the fact that they're going up big with this work wonders for Top Gun Maverick last year when Cruise hit the Crescent at at Cannes, and that movie, of course, over a billion dollars uh, earned. So, hoping the same for this. Well, and uh, great point, and I have to say, you know, and I know even St uh, Steven Spielberg, I think, said this to to Tom Cruise at at some point that you know, in many ways, Maverick saved movie theaters. And, and I think it, 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 it reminded people why we love to go to movies. And, and I think it threaded a needle because even after that, I think people started going for other films, maybe less action. You know, maybe more people are going to see movies like The Whale or whatever. You know what I mean? Because suddenly there was this like, yeah, I, I did miss this communal experience this you know sitting in the dark theater with other people and hearing people laugh or what you know what keeps people's attention now i mean it, anyway so i hope that this will continue that trend i can't remember if it was before or after top gun but man was it fun watching jackass forever with the crowd just laughing with a bunch and that was their whole ad campaign when's the last time you laughed your fool head off with friends. Oh, wow. And so I went in and was like, wow, this was just, everybody just howling. It, it had been two plus years, oh you know, since that communal experience of just right. fall down funny laughing at the dumbest. You know, those movies are just dumb. Yeah. And they're proudly dumb. Mm -hmm. And so that was really fun. And so, I mean, by now, we're all going to be back comfortable again. These are going to be packed houses. 
and just Dial Destiny is going to rip it. Yeah. Well, and I'm I'm looking forward to I'm like I want to see it a couple times in the theater. Oh, like yeah. I I you know, yeah. Even Crystal Skull, which I know we'll get to. Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, you've you've acknowledged it. I've, I've acknowledged the first step. That's the first step. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have to say. I mean, I I wish I had seen it a few more times in the theater. I wonder if my experience or memory of it might have been different. Maybe I might have found more stuff I liked about. It. I don't know. I saw it very recently. Mm. No. Okay, great. Well, that well, that's the Crystal Skull episode, so we're going to skip that one. No, I'm joking. We are going to talk about that, because I also, I'm excited about diving into, that one has, of course, because now with all the technology, there are a ton of behind the scenes, and so I'm, mm. I'm looking forward to watching a bunch of that stuff and maybe getting some insights. So. Yes, first film delivered digitally, too, from this franchise. Oh, yeah, there you go. Uh, but going back to old school film and the first movie in the franchise, you're probably wondering, what is Raiders of the Lost Ark about? Naturally, that makes us think, who are you? <laughs> but even though it's one of the most popular movies ever made, we still want to recap it for our listeners and watchers uh, because we have we have an extraordinary opportunity here. I mean, this is this is unprecedented. Uh, yeah, we have the most famous archaeologist himself. Indiana Jones, to recap it for you. Now, this is incredible because we tried to get someone from the Star Wars franchise back when we were doing Countdown to Nine, but they're all dead. I mean, it was a long time ago. The movie does lead with that. <laughs> anyway, we have exclusive footage of Indiana Jones reading from his diary, recounting the events of the story of Raiders of the Lost Ark. So let's go to that now. I remember 1936. I mean, who doesn't remember the legendary Olympics with Jesse Owens? For the first time, Hoover Dam started generating hydroelectric power. Where was I? In South America, trying to recover a golden idol from a booby-trapped Peruvian temple. Trust me, this is not why I got an archaeology degree from the University of Chicago. So who's there waiting inside for me? Belloc. This guy was so jealous of me, it made his head explode. Well, spoiler alert, that's how it ended for him. Next thing I know, two army intelligence guys want me to fill them in on the Ark of the Covenant. They're about as cordial as a kick in the groin and about as smart as, well, let's just say they lived up to the oxymoron of their name. But most importantly, Marcus greased a few palms, and I got the nod to retrieve the Ark before it fell into Hitler's hands, and he used it to create the most powerful army on Earth using lightning, fire, power of God or something. Well, it wasn't long until I ended up in Nepal and I reunited with Marion Ravenwood. I hadn't seen her since she was, well, I'd find myself in a bar fight that would make Ernest Hemingway jealous, trying to get my hands on the headpiece of the Staff of Ra. A Gestapo agent named Tote grabs the medallion and the image gets burned into his palm. Good thing the medallion didn't hit him in the jaw or his face may have melted. Well, spoiler alert, that's how things ended for him. After traveling a long red line across the map, we end up in Cairo and I get to reconnect with my old friend Sala, who tells me the Nazis, with Belloc's help, are digging in the desert trying to find the Well of Souls, where the Ark is kept. Sala and I find out that because the burns on Tote's hands don't reflect both sides of the medallion, they're digging in the wrong place. And oh yeah, Marion died. Eventually I share a moment with the best supporting actor in any story, John Williams' score, and find the location of the Ark using the correct size staff of Ron the map room. But as soon as we retrieve it, Belloc locks me in the tomb with Marion. Oh yeah, she's still alive. We eventually smash through the wall, and in a moment depicted far too simply in certain historical texts, I quote-unquote capture the truck carrying the Ark. The real story? 
I threw seven Nazis out of a moving truck, knocked other vehicles and motorcycles out of the way, survived being thrown out of the window and dragged behind the truck, and even drove over one guy before stealing the truck entirely. Next, I end up on a U-boat with chocolate mousse from Top Secret and other sailors. Until, yep, the Nazis. Again. I have to ride their submarine to a Greek island to stay on their tail. And this isn't shown, but that involved holding my breath for 90 minutes. True story. Once there, I threatened to destroy the Ark with a rocket launcher, but I don't because the Nazis are my ride back to the mainland. And eventually, in a spiffy ritual, Belloc opens the Ark only to find inside it sand. Turns out, there is the lightning, fire, power of God or something I predicted, and it was enough to make Colonel Dietrich of the Nazi army jump out of his skin. Well, spoiler alert, that's how things ended for him. Eventually, the Ark is stored in a warehouse, where it will be examined by top men. You can hear more about their story in the sequel. Top Men, Maverick. Well, there you go. I mean, that was incredible. We're Holy all... Co- cr- I mean, like, he's right there. Yeah. And, and, I mean, this like, intimate, like, home movies or so. I don't even know how... This is incredible. That was him. That was so that cool. That was Indiana Jones. That was so as cool. As far as you know. Before we share our thoughts about... This incredible, fantastic, amazing film. Uh, I want to mention that I had a great opportunity with this. I got to share this with my family, with uh, my daughter and my son. Um, I took my daughter, and we met you, at uh, the New New Beverly Cinema. I always get the name wrong for some reason. Uh, Quentin Tarantino's movie theater. And we went to the New Beverly Cinema. This was her first time watching a movie projected on film. And, of course, it was her first time watching Raiders of the Lost Ark. Now, let me just say... Everything has to be on film at the New Beverly. This is Quentin's like requirement. So if he doesn't have it, and he has a lot of his own prints, right. he can go yeah. out and get it. And so you never know what you're going to get. But sometimes, like I saw a very pink str- oh. screening of Stripes. Oh. But it didn't matter. You know? It didn't yeah. matter. We were watching Stripes, so who cares? But uh, yeah. This, yeah, that's the deal at the New Beverly. And the programming there is always fantastic. February was different Indiana Jones movie every weekend, Saturday and Sunday matinees. Yeah, Incredible. unfortunately, I wasn't able to go to all of them. But at least seeing my favorite one, Raiders of the Lost Ark, back on the big screen projected on film and i think it was a uh, it was quentin's actual uh it was his print i guess and uh yeah like around real three it started looking really good again <laughs> like the colors were right and then you know back to real five and you know, i don't know uh, <laughs> but but yeah it was good and it was great going with isabella she had a great time now i watched it with my son uh, he he didn't want to go to the movie theater uh and and so we kind of set up a movie theater situation at home uh, he, he was a little concerned about, you know, he knew there was some scary images and things like that. So we, we try, I tried to make it a movie theater kind of experience, set up the chairs and popcorn and all that stuff. So let, let's hear what they had to say. Hey, we're on our way to go see Raiders of the Lost Ark. So excited. Woo! It's going to be awesome. I've got my fabulous daughter here. It's going to be her first time. And uh, I'm excited to see what she thinks. I'm very excited to see it. Woohoo! Woo! You got to see your first projected film on film and Raiders of the Lost Ark for the first time. What did you think? So let me just start out and say it was just like it was a beautiful experience when it's on film it's just it's just a different vibe than just having it being 
electronical and like so modern now it's it's a different feeling and it's more I don't know there's just like something about it. it feels more like united with the people around you and it's really nice and second of all I absolutely love the movie I mean the storyline was like simple yet there was like so much things to unfold and I thought it was just like a really fun movie and I loved everything about it now do you feel like it it held up today like do you feel like that movie holds up could you release that movie today what do you think you know it depends on like what parts we're talking about <laughs> i mean some of those gunshot effects like <laughs> all right what was your favorite part do you have a favorite part of the movie i just i really like the adventure aspect of it just like him being like this cool hero and it's so cinematic in that aspect and like now I feel like it's known like as cheesy if it's I don't know if it like goes out like perfectly but like him just like being like the cool hero guy is pretty cool to watch. Alright Joshua, 10 years old just saw yes. Raiders of the Lost Ark for the first time what did you actually think? I, I really liked it, actually. I think it was really fun, but some of the special effects did not hold up, and just some of the stuff didn't hold up. <laughs> but I really liked it. I think it was fun, and it kept you entertained. So, what, yeah. What was your favorite part? Probably the part when he goes under the car and then hangs on with the dirt. You like that? that my favorite part. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, awesome. It was, it was anything really, really scary? I mean, mostly covered my eyes for all the scary parts because he told me when it was. But that was, that was, yeah. No? And do you think the movie overall holds up? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Awesome. I, I think if more people saw it today, I think, it would be, I think they would really enjoy it. Uh, so what do you think? Thumbs up? Thumbs up. Yeah. Anything else to say? Uh, I love Indiana Jones. <laughs> I mean, so there you have it, right? It's essentially what you, I think, once called the very young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Ah. Right? So, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We'll go with that. I, I mean, it was really interesting watching the movie with them. Um, and it was really hard to not, like when Marion dies and then she doesn't. Right. Uh, you know, that, like I was, I remember even sitting in the movie theater and Isabella's next to me and she even turned to me like, she dies? And I'm like, I know, right? <laughs> so, keep it going. Know, yeah. So, and, and, Bad dad for yeah. a second. Just for a second. Yeah. And Joshua did the same thing. He's like, what? She dies? And I'm like, I know. And, and then, of course, you know, she's back. So, um, but yeah, it was just a great experience, you know, watching that. It did, it did make me start to go, you know, does that movie as it is hold up for the next generation, like we feel like this is like the greatest film, but does that, does that movie hold up for the next generation? I mean, even Isabella was like, well, there's a couple of moments that, <laughs> where they slowed down to do plot. Sorry. Liz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things, but, but, yeah. uh, but I think it's just a, a, you know, movies are different now. And, um, before we get into all the minutia, cause I know you've got lots of information to dig into. I was thinking about, this thing, because I've got a friend of mine that's that's working on a, a motion picture that's going to be on on film that we're going to actually shoot on film, and um, it's super exciting. But it got me thinking about this process of of filmmaking and media creation, the different way that you use a camera when you've got film versus when you're shooting digitally. You know, um, even people on a set, 
you know, I, I remember the very first thing I ever did as an actor um, uh, it was a television show, but it was shot on film. And the first time I heard, <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, okay, 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 shoot the scene. You know, I mean, you just like immediately get this like sort of, I mean, everything's on the line, right? Everything's on the line and film is expensive and it's, you know, whereas digitally it's like, hey, you know what, we'll do another take. Uh, you know, I mean, of course they still have crews to pay for and all of that stuff, but, but. I think there's if you look at the difference in the filmmaking, it's great that we that we had that foundation because it's influenced how we make films, you know, doing shots that are that are oneers, you know what I mean, getting the camera to move with a dolly or whatever, or doing uh, steady cam stuff, and you know, trying to get this this more cinematic one shot feel or racking focus or you know these kinds of things that that, that to me are are what cinema is, and and certainly we see that in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, it was also because it was film. We're like, well, we got, we got to get this long scene. We've got, you know, this whatever thousand foot reel, and it, we got to get it all in. So um, we're gonna do this as like we're gonna get this, and boom, we're done. <laughs> you yeah, know? I mean, listen, you've been on vacation, and you say, could you take my photo of me and my family? Sure, and they hand the camera back. They took thirty photos. Right, right. Maybe do two good ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what film right. made you do on the yeah. set. We're going to do these two really good shots. Yeah. And make sure they're great. And I'll take Douglas Slocum's photography here at Raiders, and I think he did both of the sequels, over Kaminsky. As much as Janusz Kaminsky, who shot Crystal Skull, is a genius and worked with Spielberg on Schindler's List and all these other things, yeah. there's a different look, man. There's a different look, first of all, real locations. Mm. Second, And then real film and uh yeah slocum's photography just looked fantastic that's really interesting i mean i i was watching in preparation for this some behind the scenes stuff that i had never seen of raiders of the lost ark and they were talking with you know uh D douglas slocum is that how you mm -hmm. say his name um didn't they, use a light meter yeah i mean that i mean that alone is amazing <laughs> right yeah. but i think part of that too was a testament to his ability as a dp and his team right because i think he had worked with his camera team for for some time they had a history together they knew what the rhythm was um and and they just knew how to get good images they and, and that was the other thing I, i'm sort of jumping ahead but but watching spielberg in this behind the scenes stuff I, it hadn't really occurred to me because we've been in this world for so long of digital stuff. Even um, having video playback with when you're shooting film or some sort of, you know what I mean, um, some sort of video monitor. You know, the, the directors of, of these films didn't always have a monitor. They're, they're standing by the camera and they're just looking, you know, next to the camera and kind of seeing what, what the lens is capturing. So you know, I went. I went with. I went to a Q and A to back up your point with editors of famous directors, and Joel Cox was there talking about working with Clint Eastwood, mm. and that's how he does. He just watches. He's worked with these dudes for forty years. He watches the actors, and he just turns. He's, did you get it? Yep. Moving on. You yeah. Know? Like that's if the, he knows they'll get it. They're his guys. They've been, you know, the team forever. Yeah. And if he likes what the actors did, we're good. Yeah. I mean, I think I think it's a good lesson for newer directors, younger directors, people that are making massive amounts of content for Netflix or Prime Video or whatever you know streaming platform. To uh, I, I came across a video, um, just a quick YouTube short that I found with uh, Quentin Tarantino. He was at some Q and A, and he was saying, you know, I like to come out from from you know behind the the video monitor. I, I like to stand near the camera. I, just, he's like, guys, just you know, you know, you've got the shot, you've got the frame, you already got the frame. 
Just watch what's going on. He kind of laps into Tarantino when you Yo, <laughs> talk, say things that he said. You can't help it. <laughs> yeah, just, just watch the frame. Just watch it. Yeah, but it was interesting hearing him say that and then seeing Spielberg doing that in this behind the scenes. That just like made me go, yes, because I, I uh, as as a director and, and DPing my, you know, my own stuff, I'm guilty of looking in that that monitor so much and feeling like I got to be married to what I'm capturing and what I'm looking at and all of this stuff. And sometimes that's because I'm looking at maybe technical things or whatever. But but when I'm directing something, it reminded me that like you gotta you gotta be aware of the performances. You gotta be aware of what's really going on. You know, I think that's why he was able to get good performances from these actors. So. Um, yeah, I think Alexander Payne did that on The Descendants, too. I heard about that. Um, he, he would just be right by the camera watching the actors right next to him. You see famous pictures of actors, like, standing the camera next to him, you know, and they got the bullhorn or whatever. Right. Like, they would just watch what was going on, and then, uh, you know, I hope I hired professionals. Right. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's funny, because even Tarantino has, in, in that same video, says this wonderful thing, which he's like, look, the, the actors are there, and, and they're doing it for you. Like when, when we say cut, they, they look at you, they look at the director, you know? And, and so if you're there watching it, you can respond. You can really be like, that was, you know, I got it. That was, that was great. You know? He also said, as we make our own features here soon, if you love cinema, if you love cinema, if you truly <laughs> love cinema, you, you can't make a bad movie. Yeah. Speaking so. of movies, let's let's chat a little bit. What is it that you love so much about this movie? Why do you love Raiders of the Lost Ark so much? It has set the standard for what I think a great action movie can be, and I see that broken time and time again. It takes its stakes seriously and has fun within them. Mm. I've seen a lot of action movies just like go lean too far into the goofy. Mm. This franchise does eventually. Or it, it, this takes the stakes deadly seriously, mm. but then then we have fun. If you can take that part serious and then have fun, you know you don't have to crack jokes or do all sorts of stuff. You know that's that lightens the seriousness of the goal. You know? Right. But then we have tons of fun around right. the outside. Then it, you well, and it. you can have lighthearted moments within the raising of the stakes. I mean, you know, the moment when they're in the the, the well of souls and they, and you know the Nazis are up there and he's like, <laughs> "Son of a bitch." That's a character. I mean, joke. that's yeah. I mean that is that is a great honest moment, right? Because he's like, "Ah, what's going on? Well, how am I going to fix this?" And you know, that's because yeah. the script is playing with character, not to the detriment of the story. Right. You know, it's enhancing the character, giving him funny lines like that, having Marion say funny stuff, and. Uh, you know, the only two goofy parts, I think, are the hanger and the monkey doing the Heil Hitler salute. But I don't even but think that's that. I don't even don't, think that's that goofy, They don't though. derail yeah, it. No. They, don't, they still don't derail it. 50 takes, movie. by the way. 50 takes to get the monkey to do. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Wow, that's Fincher. <laughs> that's, that's burning some film right there, baby. That's, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we just talked about it. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, bring in another magazine. The monkey still didn't get it right, you know? <laughs> and then what a pile-on of, of excellence. You got... John Williams doing the score. It's iconic. You got stunt team killing it. Right. You got locations that are out of this world that Crystal Skull could learn a thing or two from. Go, as I always say, go to Tunisia and get dysentery. Did I say that in the opening <laughs> thing? It's you can go to it Tunisia. Looks great. You can go to Tunisia and you and you may not get dysentery. I'm just saying, just to clarify. But if you do, your <laughs> film will look great. That's clearly a fact stated by Raiders of a Lost right. Ark. Uh, what is the Tunisian board of tourism coming after me? <laughs> uh, you got great special effects. There's only a couple that look janky, even 41 years later. You know that, right. but you know, 
you never think you're looking at anything real anyway, but it did a pretty great job of, of doing all that. Built, you know, also because they built practical sets, which helped, you know, make blend the special effects a little better than just all green screen. Most iconic hero in history who always does the right thing and but is self-effacing and has charm. He's the best. Uh, is there a bigger... Although not in the original script, by the way, which I just found out. Explain. Yeah, well, some of the original ideas was that he was like a major womanizer. That 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 scene where Marcus comes in and he's wearing the robe. Originally, right. he was supposed to have had some lady over, yeah. and I mean, you know, this was the, you know, I mean, he is still a bit of a ladies' man, but but I think we can uh, forgive him because he's got the great looks and the cool whatever. Well, I think you know, we but, all but, know that. Spielberg wanted to make a Bond movie really yeah. bad. And so that was probably, oh, here's my attempt at right. making this womanizing action <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, yeah. star. But then they realized, well, that's not where we're going. With right, this. right. Um, Sorry, yeah. I don't ever be interrupting. No, I, I mean, a there. director at the peak of his heights, I mean, I could just go on, you know, and on and about everything that's great about this. And we, we've talked about the script and how it's streamlined and has iconic lines and just. It, it doesn't fail me. When I watch that movie, I go, should I go to the bathroom now? There's no time to go to the bathroom during Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> so, I mean, that's 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 a great unpack. I thought that was, yeah. I mean, that yeah. makes sense. For me, it, everything you said, it, it reminds me also of one of my other favorite movies, um, although not necessarily a Saturday morning movie that I could watch over and over again because it's so intense, but uh, The Shawshank Redemption, uh, which to me is is like a perfect movie. Like it's just script and acting and uh, but Raiders is is that same level of great, but it's fun and not like <laughs> yeah. painful and like, oh my God, yeah. I can't believe this guy's going through this. Um so you mentioned script a few times. Yes. And I wanna I wanna chat a little bit about the script because in this behind the scenes video I found uh it, it talked about the importance of the script. The story, uh, you know, was was Lucas and Spielberg, and I think maybe one other person. Um, Philip Kaufman. Yeah. Who's no slouch. The right stuff, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and Unbearable Lightness of Being. Again, not just a so who. Like, that guy. Right. Just in the story aspect, and then not everything else, and it still is this amazing movie. You know, just great. Um, yeah. From the behind the scenes, what was interesting to me was it seemed as if this movie was just like blessed from the beginning because it was like they they had this idea and they're like, that's a great idea. Yeah. And then they got uh, Lawrence Kasdan to write the script. And, and there's a in this behind the scenes, there's a there's a part where where Lucas is talking about how much he loved the script. He was so excited. He's like, this script is great. It's 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 just it's perfect, you know, and then they get on set and they start doing things and. Things are just happening. They're moving. And um, one other thing I wanted to chat about that I learned from this was that I, I didn't realize um, how much it was important for Steven Spielberg to prove that he could do a film on time and on budget <laughs> and that he took that point of view into making Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I think because of it, we got a better movie because he even mentions uh, in, in this piece that that because there were moments where he's like, oh, you know, you might want to do another take because maybe it was too dark. Uh, the DP comes and says, oh, it's too dark. Well, we're going to have to, you know, print that at a stop higher because we're moving on. Uh, because he's trying to be good with his time. And I think in the end, um, you know, it's those kind of moments and sacrifices as a filmmaker where you have to really put on that creative hat and go, okay, how are we going to make this work? We got to do this. We got to do that. Boom, boom, boom. I, you know, I worked on a short uh, a few years ago that had a fight scene. And, um, you know, the, the, they had choreographed some stuff and, you know, we were going to, there was this whole plan to shoot it a certain way. And I was like, look, this is not working. I told the director, I'm like, this is, this is not working. 
here's what we need to do. I'm going to, I'm, we're going to do this multiple times and I'm going to follow, I'm going to do a wide, I'm going to follow each character. We're going to get a bunch of coverage. And, and of course I was also editing it. So I, I knew what I needed and that's what we did. And, but, but it was because we were like, we need to end the day. We were like, we were, we were right at the edge. We have 45 minutes to get all of this stuff. And I'm like, great, we're doing this. Boom. You guys get over here. It was just like, let's drive it. Let, but that's to me where the creative moments come out. And then in the end, it looked great. I was really happy with it. And and so, you know, again, with, with Spielberg being like, okay, I'm going to be on time, I'm going to be on budget. And ultimately, they were even ahead of time, I think. And and I think they came I, in under budget, I can right? give you the stats on Oh, that. yeah, yeah, let's uh, hear it. Michael Eisner gave him the green light to make the film, who was working at Paramount at the time. But, um, that's, in fact, how about this? He brings in Frank Marshall to make sure this production stays on <laughs> Then, of course, this becomes like one of the greatest producing partnerships of all time between right. Spielberg and Marshall. Right. But Eisner mandated an 85-day shoot. Spielberg self-mandated a 73-day shoot. And mm. I think he, he hit that. And then, I mean, this is coming off of 1941, right? So I'm not surprised he self-mandated this. He's like, I got to get myself back on track. Lo and behold, he kind of did. Yeah. Because Raiders, E.T., Temple of Doom, Color Purple. I mean, he just went on a run. So <sighs> Color Purple is another great, oh, yeah. great film. Let's talk a little bit about some of the characters in in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Of course, we've got our hero, and and we've got our 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 female lead, but she's not really a damsel in distress. No. I mean, although she has her moments where maybe she might utilize some help, but clearly, <laughs> right out of the gate, Marion is she she is strong. She's powerful. Um, I mean. What, what do you think about this character? Well, it's a perfect introduction because, first of all, it sets her up as, oh, she's tough as nails and she's kind of, like, sexy at yeah. the same time. She, and that sets up her being able to take a drink for when she has to put one over on Belloc later in the film. It's perfect. Right. Like, it just the introduction of Marion is perfect. And she doesn't just uh, whine and complain. She grabs a frying pan when necessary and hits right. the guy she has, to, she has to. You know, she's knocking guys out in the... A tavern shootout as right. well, you know, because it's pretty much indie against everybody. If she doesn't smack a guy in the head with a torch or something, you know, that there, there's trouble. So she mixes it. I mean, I, just, I think everybody just found that, you know, to be very attractive that yeah. she would jump in the mix and, you know, be be tough. Since we're talking about characters and we're talking about Marion, uh, another piece from this behind the scenes video. I, I was first of all, I was amazed at watching Spielberg's direction with the actors especially being such a Lucas fan. I know he's not always in there. Like he might be like, all right, so you're going to do this thing. And you're going to, you know, <laughs> you know, and that's the whole like yeah. direction, right? Spielberg's like in there, like, okay, let's, I want, you're like, ah, you're like, let me, you know, like, ah, you know, I mean, he's doing it, you know, yeah. I mean, and, what is and, he screaming? The, the actors get uh, overwhelmed. I, I think or? it was, uh, it was the it was the snake moment, you know, in the well of the oh, souls. Oh, he's telling you know, the he's actor like what telling to do. Her okay. how, you know, I thought the actors were reacting to him like, "Get out of my face, Steve! Yeah. You're so intense!" Oh, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, he was never mean. I mean, definitely, right, right. you see him on set, and this is a man who's kind and friendly and fun, and and he's just, you know, he's making a movie and he's having a great time doing it. And but he's in there and he's giving like acting notes, like really diving into these things and and staging things the 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 sequence with the drink uh with uh with marion and the and the other person who's drinking you know that whole thing with with her taking the drink and turning it over and setting it down that was all direction he i mean that was him telling her this is what i want you to do and then she did it and and she played all of these moments. So it's I mean it's really a testament to both of them. I mean he was like this is what you do, and then she she carried it out just 
perfectly. So I I, I think it, it's it really shows because you know you wonder about our our favorite you wonder about our favorite directors. What what is it about them that makes them so great? I mean, and, and you know you you've surrounded yourself. You're on set. You've surrounded yourself with all these great craftsmen and and technicians and people that are just fantastic. And um, but what makes these folks so great? What what is it that stands out? And th- and for me, these were the moments that stood out. I mean, he's really in there with every single thing. Like, oh, okay, we've got these squibs over here that are going to explode on this wall. And how many do we have here? And I mean, he's in the minutia of everything. And I just thought that was really fun to watch. I like I said when we started this in our our first episode, I I really don't know a lot about Steven Spielberg as a director. I know his movies, but I, I I haven't watched as much behind the scenes. So it's been fun to delve into how he works and who he is and 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 it's amazing. Did you see the Fablemans? I did. Yeah. So you get to meet the little kid that's still in there making his first musical in his seventies. Uh, you know, on the set of West Side Story, he was giddy as hell. He, he's never made a musical. It's something he's always wanted to do since the opening of Temple Doom. Right. And, you know, that yeah, that kid is in there. So Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that connection. I love that connection. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be a Temple of Doom moment. All right. I love it. I love it. Oh, you chatted about locations. I thought it was interesting, too. Um, I didn't realize that originally there were more locations even, um, but they were like, you know, I think cost prohibitive <laughs> at a certain point. Like, well, we're going to truncate this, and this is going to be everything, you know. So, and that's kind of what they did. But, but real locations. Yeah, I and- can't believe I went to Kauai and didn't visit Raiders of the Lost Ark scenes or Jurassic Park. I went to when I went to Kauai it was years ago. It was like sixteen years ago or more. I went to just, you know, waterfalls, right. the canyon, right. the beaches, the lighthouse, da da da. But boy, now today I would have been all about. Where they shot all these great movies, you know. As I have well. a I have a buddy of mine that did did do that tour, and uh, I think he even swung and did the jumping into the water. Oh, yeah, nice, <laughs> nice. Oh, jealous of that. So yeah, that's a real. I mean, you know, real locations. I you know I, I've been uh, I've been watching like a lot of people. I've been watching The Mandalorian, and I think that show has gotten better. And I think part of why it's gotten better is they're starting to use some more actual locations and the moments when it's the 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 video wall which is amazing technology and it you does know, fool me pretty well i have to be honest it i didn't like the mandalorian because they always talked about what they were doing and that's bad script writing but anyway go well ahead. there you go <laughs> well i will say i think the video wall um is actually not as good looking in the obi-wan series um i know we're jumping around but but yeah the, i but but my point is locations real locations as, I mean, as you said you heard I mean, my you heard my speech you know i mean you know it makes sense right because at the end of the day if you've got a great location and you've got good actors um or great actors you know you've got and you've got a great script that i mean those are the elements you need right because then it's like you you turn on the camera and you capture the moments um of course you still need you know people who know how to put the camera in the right place and all that stuff but yeah man Location, location, location. Yeah, but of course, Adam uh, Witt, who is also one of the big movie guys I do the Ford Fiesta with, would always say, well, you know, look, they shut a practical door on Harrison Ford's leg and they had to delay Force Awakens shooting for so long. Wouldn't that have been great if that was a digital door? You know, (laughs) I guess I get your point. I mean, but no. I, I feel like that's a hasty generalization. I could be yeah, wrong. I think it was said I, for comedic yeah, effect. Okay, all right. <laughs> that's the correct There response. you go. All Thank right. You. There we go. All right. Um, of course, uh, we would be uh, 
we would probably get in some deep heat if we really didn't focus a little bit on the amazing score. Um, yeah. John Williams, amazing score. Uh, it, you know, it's 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 a hero theme, right? I mean, and there's so I will say he does rip himself off a little bit with the uh, the the Marian love theme uh, is a little reminiscent of Leia's theme, um, but uh, or even Superman. A little. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got that. Yeah. 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 So he's yeah. got his thing. He he's always got does. his thing. I mean, you know. But I heard the theme for Phoebe Waller Bridge's character, whose name is escaping me, for Dial of Destiny, mm. and it's different. Mm-hmm. It's a little, a little pluckier, I yeah. think, and her character might be as well. I'm excited about her character. I mean, you know, there's been, you know, the people that are being really negative, which bugs me. But it's like, I am I think it's going to be great. I'm, I'm excited about her. Character, I haven't heard of those so. people. Screw yeah, those people. that's right. That's right. But of course, yeah, I mean, w- Williams is the guy. And he, that score, that march is just, I mean, wow. You play that thing at the Hollywood Bowl when he plays there every summer. Yeah. Everybody goes nuts. It's a, it's a must-have you know it's great. Yeah, what we got to talk about Ben Burt because of oh. course the great Ben Burt, yes. the sound effects guy behind R two D two and Wally, of course going above and beyond, he, going out and hitting the the electric wire, to whatever. I on mean, when we were kids this, watching that, the, you're like, that's how the they blasters. get the blasters. Yeah, mean, yeah, come on. So he it was involved here. He made he he ran here's. Here, I'll tell you how he did some of these. Okay, he ran his hand through cheese casserole and wet sponges to make snakes slithering. <laughs> <laughs> the rolling boulder. Then you can learn this if you go to the motion. Oh man, if you go to the Motion Picture Academy Museum here in Hollywood at Fairfax and Wilshire, mm. it they. What movie do you think they use to show you how they add sound to film? Of course, it's Raiders, and of course, it's the opening scene, and they show you this, which I read about before, and then I went to see them. They have footage of them taking a microphone, holding it down by a tire, and just driving. A truck through gravel. That's how they got the rolling boulder sound. Actually, mm. I'm wrong. It was a Honda Civic. Honda Civic. But uh, still, it's heavy enough to crush the gravel and give you the rolling boulder sound. Oh, wow. And so that that thing is amazing, though. They show you, here's the onset sound. Here's when we had sound effects. Here's when we had music. Oh, here's when we had sound yeah. effects. Here's when we had ADR. Here's when we had, and then suddenly, the whole thing. Uh, and you got like just this incredible team putting that together. People forget, by the way, about the importance of sound. They take it all for granted. And, yeah. and there was that thing when we used to do special effects stages at Universal, uh, there was that thing, sound is half the picture uh, backstage. And and it's true, right? I mean, sound is half the picture because it's part, it's so much of what you're experiencing from the, the music, you know, connecting with your emotional tone and your feeling about it to like, you know, hearing these sounds and all that. So, yeah. So. And he hits the uh, leather jackets with a baseball bat. And what do you get? <laughs> That's it, the ah! punch. That punch, it's not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. it's such a great sound it's, It is such a great sound That's effect. The best. So Ben Burt, legend. Yeah. And uh, if you like Ben Burt also at the Motion Picture Academy, he made a 25-minute movie that is a montage of the greatest science fiction movies of all time. Oh, my gosh. That's great. Oh, I got to go. I got to go there. Yeah. I know this has been unpacked a bunch, but maybe we should chat a little bit about it, the casting. You know, if Tom Selleck had done this movie, I question whether or not it would have been the iconic like, would we be doing Dial of Destiny today? Mm-hmm. I, I think Tom Selleck's a great actor. I love I, I love him in the things I've seen him in. Um, this is no slight to him. Um, but I just think, you know, Mr. Ford brought the goods. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's something about the underplaying, I think, that makes Indiana Jones even a little more iconic. Yeah. When you see somebody, like, I'll always give shout-out to Taylor Kitsch and John Carter, this 
universally reviled movie mm. that I didn't think was all that bad. And what I liked about it was his sort of underplaying the hero character. Mm. You know, like he's tied to a rock and this giant monster comes out of the cage and is going to come kill him. So his response is just, <sighs> like, and then, you know, that's totally <laughs> what Indy would do. If he's like, he, he does it on the bridge, too. He's yeah. like, he's got two guys on either side of him at the end of Temple of Doom. And he's, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. he has that vibe. So I just think that underplaying is what made him such a legend. Now, would they have gotten the same performance out of others considered? McNulty, Tim Matheson, Peter Coyote, Nicholson, Jeff Bridges, hmm. maybe Jeff Bridges. I mean, it's a, hey man, you know he's very laid back. Dude Jeff Bridges, yeah, could underplay that. It it is amazing uh, how much of just Harrison Ford's personality is in Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah. How much personality would Harry Hamlin have brought? Who knows? <laughs> but uh, And, of course, the crazy story, I believe, if is on the Internet, so, Sean, it's got to be true. Of course. Everything is true on the is Internet. Is that, you know, yeah, Selleck dropped out of consideration, then a writer's strike pushed off the debut of Magnum P.I., so he could have shot it. <laughs> he could have done Oopsies. both, but he didn't. <laughs> Oopsies. <laughs> yeah. um, but I want to shout out to, to Paul Freeman, too, who plays Belloc. So good in this movie. Oh, my God. And where was his huge career? And for, I mean, he still does stuff. He was in Hot Fuzz, and he's, you know, in other movies. Right, 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 right. But, uh, man, I would like to have seen a... Uh, uh, but I did look it up. He's been in a film. He's been in a film every year since Raiders. So he is working a ton. But none quite hit the heights of that. So I feel like, where is uh, his whole thing? Right. Yeah. He could have been a villain in more movies. Yeah. You know, all like like Christopher Walken or something for years. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I think we should chat a little bit about the gentleman who plays Sala because – what is his name? John Reese davies John Could Reece... have been Danny DeVito, but it was John Reese. davies I mean, I'm glad it wasn't, although Danny DeVito later did Romancing the Stone, which was uh, obviously very – a similar type. tone yeah. and and yeah that yeah, more of a but, jerk yeah, but yeah but more of a jerk <laughs> sala is just such i mean what's interesting about his portrayal of this character at least from my perspective is you know sometimes you see characters on the screen and you're like that must just be that person like they they must just be that i don't know if that's true or not for him I hope but so. but but he just seems like that's the guy you know, yeah, yeah. So, and of course, he was in Lord of the Rings now too. So it's one of the most, uh, I mean, two of the biggest franchises of all time. Legend, John Reese Davies. Put the name in your mouth, John Reese Davies. John, that, don't Reece ask Davies. me who, what's his name. You're in the right. Future. I'm sorry, John Reese Davies. There you go. I repent. So, highest grossing film of 1981, but people were looking forward to Superman 2, right? That was the thing. That was the shock. Huh. Yeah. And Spielberg, like I said, didn't look back after that. Wow. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, that's cool. And then, so what about the Oscar thing? So it did get nominated for some stuff? Or? Have you seen Chariots of Fire? Um, yeah, I'm familiar. You, have you seen it? I uh, I was a kid. Okay. Yeah. I will not see the movie that beat Raiders of a Lost Ark for Best Picture. How dare you? Chariots of Fire. Nope. That's pretty funny. So, yeah, that that's... won. It was nominated for eight Oscars. It won uh, for... Where'd it go? Oh, it won for art direction, film editing, sound, and visual effects. So it won four. Pretty good. That's pretty good. I mean, it's like La La Land winning six and not winning Best Picture. You can make a show and not win, but it should have. Even Reds should have beaten uh, <laughs> Chariots of Fire. Anyway, and I say that all, of course, still without having seen it, so I know I'm a jerk. But What uh, is this note here? Lucas holds a Guinness World Record for box office as a screenwriter. What Can you unpack that for me? Yeah, because he wrote all those Star Wars movies. I mean, he wrote 
you know, he wrote the screenplays for the later, the prequels. Right. And he wrote Star Wars. Right. I don't know if this includes his story credits on uh, I'm sure, Empire yeah. and Jedi, right. but he just is like the most prolific monetary making screenwriter. <laughs> They're not prolific. Wow. He's certainly not prolific, but he's the, yeah, he's, he has a record for that. I mean, it's just so interesting to hear that because I, that, you know, it's I, I've, I've always said that he was he's a great producer. Yeah. And and what most people don't talk about with producing, because most people think of producers only as the money people, and that's not true. Producers often are the people that come up with the story. Oftentimes, they'll, they'll write the entire story, and then they'll hire a screenwriter to write the screenplay because they may not want to write the screenplay. Yeah. But, but uh, they don't get that credit. So I've always said he's a great producer. But it's interesting to see him in with, with – this, this as a screenwriter as well because I mean I guess that's true right I mean it's still his story whether or not he yeah. wrote the dialogue and wrote the you know all the minutia of everything but he did yeah. for those three prequels and I mean just consider the money that just those three prequels and Star Wars made I mean right. it already puts him in the top of the biggest money making screenwriters of all time these right. aren't the best screenwriters of right. all time these are the most money that's what the Guinness yeah, record yeah, is okay, for that makes sense. the Guinness record is for facts <laughs> You have your opinions, uh, you know, all you want. But, uh, yeah, and then, of course, the reviews come out, and the uh, – guess who hated it? Pauline Kale. Anyway, dummy. <laughs> uh, I like this statistic here. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark was the biggest-selling VHS of all time. In fact, I think when I got the proper VHS version of Raiders of the Lost Ark – uh, I think I bought it, and one of the reasons I was so excited about getting it was because it was going to have a preview of Temple of Doom. And do you know what that preview consisted of? Title reveal? Yeah, it That's was like it was literally <laughs> like like from the creators of. I mean, it was like that kind of thing, right? And it was like like titles flying in over the clouds, yeah, and yeah. then you hear like you know the indie theme, and like coming soon to a theater near you, and that was it. That was the whole <laughs> thing. And I was like, oh my god, I can't wait! I was so excited. <laughs> Done. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and we were talking about sound effects before. I didn't know that the whip sound was actually Harrison Ford doing the whip. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I mean, he had to, I mean, he looked like a pro up there. Yeah. I mean, well, in this behind the scenes piece, they were talking about Harrison with the whip and that he was quite proficient in 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 using it, but he worked hard at getting used to it. And they talked about how dangerous it can be. Guess how much the whip sold for in 1999 at a Christie's auction? I'm going to guess $150,000. Oh, way under, 43000 which might be one hundred and fifty in $99. Oh, yeah, there you maybe. go. See, I was just adjusting for inflation. Speaking of 150 <laughs> people, uh, Sala, who plays Sala? <laughs> John Reese John Reese davies John Reese davies said he's met over 150 people who have become lecturers, professors, and archaeologists because of this film. So that's a wow. good byproduct, too. Wow. You know? I mean, I mean that's... They, they certainly make it look interesting. And then, then there you are, you know, like <laughs> brushing a rock for like four hours going, where's Marion? Yeah. And sexy location. be on yeah. a train? And <laughs> where am I supposed to take a plane and there's a red line that follows me everywhere? <laughs> I'll tell you one thing that we should have more of, uh, like Ghostbusters. More movies. I mean, there were books that went on to have uh, Indiana Jones... Look for the Staff of Moses, a unicorn horn, the Tower of Babel, Atlantis, Noah's Ark, et cetera, et cetera. So that all these things they could have done, they didn't. Yeah. You know, yeah. we get what we get and we're thrilled. But right. there should be more Ghostbusters movies. There should be more Indiana Jones movies. What are you going to do? Yeah. I, and, I mean, but, I, but it's tough. I don't want to see more Indiana Jones movies without Harrison Ford. If you move forward with this franchise, I want to see either Young Abner or Short Round have their own 
adventures from here. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I have. <laughs> oh, no, I'm right, Sean. <laughs> well, uh, just just to say the other side, um, I have mixed feelings about the character going away with only Harrison Ford. I mean, I I think there could be something else maybe maybe even it's an animated series you know do you go the route of you know doing something maybe not the same kind of animation but like a bad batch kind of thing but with you know indiana jones you get some voice alike you know and you still do some some stories i don't know i, I mean tin type stuff maybe? Uh, i don't want him to be 80 either sean uh, look <laughs> i mean there's a lot about age to unpack and that we don't have time for that in this <laughs> I just am impressed that the MCU signed him up to be Thunderbolt Ross because it's like, you signed someone up for the MCU, you're talking about 10 years. Right. Hmm, okay. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's going to live to be 100. Oh, yeah, he'll live as yeah. long as Eastwood, if not yeah. more. <laughs> um, I, a couple of a couple of little things that came out of this documentary I saw. Uh, George always wanted to do a movie like this, but once he got Star Wars, it was just like, all right, that's what I got to do. So, you know, he couldn't do it. He He needed to leverage that out. I'm a big fan as a filmmaker. I'm a fan of of especially with the technology we have now that that you know you can make a good looking movie um, for whatever amount you you can raise, but but it, it can look good. Um, you don't necessarily need a huge crew to to do it to I think success. It's great to have a big crew, and and that's no slight on on the amazing technicians and craftspeople and artists that that go into these bigger movies. But it's cool. When you see a movie like this, that you don't do Raiders of the Lost Ark with a small footprint of a crew like that, <laughs> that is a movie you do with a big crew, and you see that in this documentary. You see, I mean, the six hundred extras alone. Hmm. I can't even. I mean, they were talking about like, and they're in the what? What it was it? The Sahara Desert or whatever it was, and and, and it's like, or they're in Tunisia or wherever, wherever it was. The Egyptian digging scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So many six hundred extras, and they were chatting about this like even just having enough water because of where the location was for everybody was was a thing and you're you're like I can't believe like I that wasn't that's something I wasn't even thinking about the desert is six weeks in either direction yeah <laughs> so I, I don't know I, I mean dealing with that you know the amount of like assistant director team that you would need to manage and you know facilitate all of these people to make sure they're doing the right things in the right places crossing camera when they need to be i mean all of that kind of stuff like what the energy is i mean you know you see this there's a couple of scenes um in the documentary where you see this assistant director like really trying to like and then they had to have like translators and stuff i mean it, i mean what an undertaking what an undertaking yeah and they had to frame out technology so so it looked like 1930s. Oh, the the you know, now they just erase them. But they had to like if you had an antenna on your roof or something in there in Cairo that that wasn't you know, time appropriate. They had to frame it out so the shots were tougher to put together. Everything was a little more uh, as he said. And maybe film does this, then great. It's a great side effect. They have to be more careful and deliberate. Right. Mm. Deliberate. 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 John Reese Davies. John. Reese Davies, John Reese Witherspoon. Okay, uh, <laughs> <laughs> love John Reese right. Witherspoon and yes, Magnum. Too, I do. Yes, it around for sure. Oh, oh, oh my God. Okay, the plaster mask nightmare is what I call this. Okay, the the uh, the face of um, Belloc exploding. Mm -hmm. Right. So they had to, you know, of course, do a plaster of his face. Well, in this documentary, they show that, and I don't know if you've ever seen how they do 
Oh yeah. The plaster. I've been up close to one happening. I've filmed someone yeah, doing that. It's rough with the straws in the yeah. nose and everything. I mean, I was like, this is akin to drowning. Yeah. And then and then it's an hour. Yeah. I was like, an hour. Wow. You're not moving. That guy earned his money. You're not moving. You're not coughing. Right. You're not sneezing. You're not itching your eye. No. You're just sitting and yeah. breathing. That's it. You're not being charming. I mean, that just that just takes some that takes you're some. You're not watching TV. You know, there's you're just Yeah. This has been talked about, I'm sure, a bunch, but I feel like we should at least touch upon it, and you mentioned it briefly. Sure. The stunt team. So, and especially the stunt guy for Indiana Jones. If you see any footage with the him. The great Vic Armstrong. That guy. Yeah. That guy's a stunt man. Yeah. That guy is like, I mean, he's like, yeah, I did a movie, a couple of, I broke a bunch of, I didn't bring it. I mean, he just doesn't care. He's just like, this is what I do. You know, every day you get maybe like 12 or 15 shots a day. Maybe you're going to die. <laughs> like, yeah. what? what? I mean, I don't know. I just was like, wow. I mean. And Spielberg shoots to where their stunts mean something. Right. I never liked the over-edit, over-edited action sequence. It's a disservice mm-hmm. to the guys doing this. You right, know? right. And so if someone's sliding under a truck, then rolling behind it, two shots, three maybe. You know, they insert a shot of him putting the whip up under there and hooking it under the truck so he can drag behind. But didn't have a thousand cuts to where you, like, appreciate less the risk the stunt man took. Right. So I've always enjoyed that. And well, same with dance, too. Dance and stunts don't do crazy editing. Don't do either of those things any favors in the movies. Right. Yeah. Well, unless you're trying to hide something. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, to that point, the moment when he comes out from behind the truck, whipping around, I mean, it's insane. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's a human. That's a real person. Yeah. You know? And I don't know if they were going, you know, 50 or 60 chase speeds you know even if you're going 30 i mean i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure they they sped the film up like they shot at a a a different parts of that for sure i think him going under the truck i think they did yeah Yeah. so i'm pretty sure but i think the the well maybe even behind a little bit there's a moment in the documentary where they're talking him in and he's getting dragged behind the thing and they're like okay now uh get your head up just a little bit more (laughs) just like (laughs) I just can't imagine being that person. It's just, I mean, brilliant, brilliant. Oh, before we go, I also want to talk about this uh, Hollywood Reporter article with Harrison Ford. A couple of really cool things. I'm just going to read this. He's talking about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh, good. And he says, critics came down pretty, uh, this is the question. Critics came down pretty hard on the last Indiana Jones movie. Now that some years have passed, what's your feeling about it? Harrison Ford's response, where are they now? (laughs) That's so him. <laughs> and I, I I love that. And then he kind of goes on to say, you know, look, the crit- the critics were harsh, you know, but they're talking about their rules. And we're not playing by their rules. I'm paraphrasing, but he's saying, like, we're not playing by their rules. We're playing by Steven Spielberg and George Lucas's rules. And I, I, I love that. So I feel like I'm going to take that into my next watching of Crystal Skull when we talk about it. Yeah, and, and to re- reference Adam Witt again, who I do the Ford Fiesta with, Yeah, he says that about movies people hate all the time okay you didn't like uh anakin skywalker in the the you know phantom menace there's a whole nother like hour and a half of that movie was that all bad does right. that wreck the whole movie for mm. you if you didn't like that one part mm. or i didn't like this song or i didn't like this thing and suddenly you don't like a whole movie there's a whole lot of movie going on there you don't like the framing or the acting or the mm. script or the, 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 you know so 
yeah, that's two people do love to pull the thing they hated and yeah. then hate the whole movie. They also talk about Crystal Skull and they say the film had a lot of old indie jokes. It feels like that itself is outdated and that you have settled into who you are now. And I thought this was interesting. He says, yeah, in Dial of Destiny, there were a lot of old jokes in the script. We took them all out. Yeah, he elaborated that on that, I think, for CNN, where he said they changed it to old behavior that could get a laugh. Right. As opposed to an old joke at Indy's expense. Yeah. Uh, here's another one that I thought was really, really great. What's the tone like? Each film has a slightly different feel. And then he says, what I love is that we're meeting him at a different point in his life to where we've seen him in these other films. It's a logical place for him to be at this stage considering his behavior and what he spent his time doing. It's a very interesting script Jim came up with. Anyway, I just thought that was... Yeah, no. I've heard James Bangle talk about the story of this script, and it doesn't sound fun. It's interesting. The trailer looks fun. He talks about, right. yeah, Andy's going to have to you know, answer for a lot of his things he's done. Oh, that's like, interesting. Really? Okay. Answer for well, these yeah, things. Well, yeah, that's exactly the I mean, the they kind of touch on like that, that a little bit in, in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull when that, that opening CIA agent or whatever is, uh, you know, <clears throat> chatting with him and, and talking to him and, like, you know, what – What's this and what you know? And he doesn't know who he is. Yeah, they certainly you know? uh, bag on him like they don't know that he's the guy who saved the world from Hitler's reign by <laughs> stealing the ark. But right. Anyway. Yeah. So anyway, um, if you get a chance, check out the article in general. It's great. He says some other wonderful stuff about. I think he says some great stuff about acting and um, about just playing. The, you know, playing these truths. Right. You know, playing these characters and, and anyway. And so. he says he hasn't played the old man yet. And when you watch him in Shrinking, he's the old man. His character's got Parkinson's. I mean, he's still, I mean, he's super dry funny. That's a good show. Mm. So I recommend that. That's awesome. Well. I, I, yeah, I have to check that out. I do want to see that. Uh, well, what else could we say about Raiders of the Lost Ark? We could go on and on about the South Park uh, recuts or the uh, <laughs> Big Bang Theories, dopey idea that uh, Indy accomplishes nothing in the film. The Atari games. This, the the hat and jacket and the Smithsonian. By the way, I'm going to just right here say yes. that that her theory in Big Bang Theory that Indy accomplishes nothing is wrong. Of course. And here's why it's wrong. Okay. He found the Ark because he went to Marion and he got the medallion. Correct. And he and they read both sides. That that would the the the, the Germans didn't know that they didn't have that information. They didn't even know how to get to Marion. They didn't know yeah. that information. Yes. So. Ha! Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're digging in the wrong place. Uh, Indy yeah. says that with uh, Sala, who was played by... Um... Bryce Dallas Howard. <laughs> so, anyway. That, John, John Reese davies It all comes down John to Reece that. Davies. They were digging did in I get the it right? Place. You did. I did. They were digging in the wrong place. Yes. Anyway. Well, I mean, there's so much more we could say about Raiders of the Lost Ark, but let's wrap up this second Countdown to Five podcast episode. Come back in the middle of the month-ish. Every <laughs> yeah. We'll get it. We'll get them done. Yeah. We'll get them out. And we'll, we'll, we'll keep putting out shows until the Dial of Destiny comes out. And by then, we will have covered everything and one episode about Dial of That's Destiny. That's right. we got to unpack that. After the release. Um, besides these profiles of past films, of course, we're keeping you up to date like we did here with the news about the Cannes Film Fest. Everything that's going on with the new movie as well. Once again, I'm Paul Preston. And I'm Sean Blodgett. Please be sure to chime in with your thoughts at themovieguys.net at countdown to 5 show at gmail.com or on social media, which includes facebook.com forward slash countdown to 5 at countdown to 5 on Instagram and at countdown, the number 2, the number 5 show on Twitter. 
I can't believe somebody got that. Who, someone get countdown mean. to five? Or what are they counting down Whatever. to? Whatever. Count down to the th- <laughs> well. Years ago, we counted down to the fifth Fast and Furious movie. Now there's more. We're doing now. We're doing countdown to thirteen or whatever the hell number they're on. And of course, you can get the show on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and of course. TheMovieGuys.net. Plus, all the old episodes of Countdown Tonight, which if you haven't seen, check them out. I think they're really fun. We also had some really cool guests who were involved in some of the Star Wars movies. So check them out. You're going to love it. And uh, Sean, where can people find out more about Creative Motion Entertainment? Oh, yeah. Uh, If you want to find out more about my production company, Creative Motion Entertainment, you can go to our website, creativemotionentertainment.com. We're a boutique uh, motion picture company. We also do lots of marketing and advertising. And, uh, oh, and this year, we're getting into, uh, I guess, jumping back into, I've done feature films in the past, uh, more just as myself, but we may be involved in some feature films this year. We've got, we're in some talks with a couple of different uh, producers and doing some things, and so it should be really, really exciting. Yeah, and Digital Mind Productions is also out there as well. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, short that I just made, we took to the... We. I just say we. Like it sounds. I mean, you have you to say we to because that, right? look, it's we have a company. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, 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 I have an official name. It's not just okay. It's mostly me. Yeah, I mean, I have me. some people, but you know. <laughs> yeah, we just went to the Phoenix Film Fest with a short, so now we're gonna yeah looking at the first feature as well. But uh, that's a wrap. Join us next month as we take a deep dive into Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, where we will. Uh... Sean, what are we gonna do for that show? I don't know. I'm making this up as I go.